Well, it's great to be back with you. Um, it seems like it's been a long time. It was just a one week, but it is really a blessing to gather in person and to worship the Lord together. Um, I just want to add a few things regarding the prayer campaign. I, I'd wish to be here earlier to share with you, but I know that you've been getting the text and we're praying um, as a community. We're praying together. I'm going to talk about prayer to get today and the Lord's Prayer a little bit, but I wanted to give you a little bit more of, uh, of um, help, with, help as we pray through this time. Um, so what I thought I would share with you is the acronym, and we'll send this on a text down the line, but um, in the morning, 822, and in the evening, 822, and it, it does come in like, like the sunrise and the sunset. As a text coming in, my phone buzzes, and it's there. Um, think of the acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y, and that, that could be a way for us to think about some of the things that we need to pray for. And the first is P, we need to pray for a pastor. So um, as you know, I will be transitioning out from my time here at the end of August. And uh, just, it's been, a, it's been a tremendous blessing. I know, I've, I, I know without a doubt I've gotten more um, from being with you than I could ever give. And so I am tremendously thankful, especially for the relationships I've built. But we are in need of a pastor. And so um, if you believe if you believe that God loves this group and God has prepared an under-shepherd for you, this is a time to put that in faith and ask God for wisdom and discernment and to bring the right person to this ministry. So P is for pastor. R is for revival. But there's so many good R words. You could put for rest, revitalization, renewal, rejuvenation. R is a great word. But revival, and revival is something that we don't talk about as much anymore. I remember when I was young, uh, about 30 years ago in my early 20s, I remember praying for revival all the time. But revival was so much in my heart. I was kind of waned over the years. And I think it's important for us to remember that God, through seasons of history, has done great things through revivals. And so what we want to pray for is revival here. Um, there's fatigue. There's weariness. Some of you are tired in your Christian walk. And we need revival. We need revival of our passions and our love and our affections. And the songs we sang today was such a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness to us. So, by the way, I'm chewing on some cough drops. So I'm not, uh, not to be rude, but I, I, am, I have a cough and I don't want to go into a coughing spasm. So I apologize in advance for my cough drops, but I think in the end you'll appreciate it. So P is for pastor, R is for revival, and A is for action. So sometimes, you know, we think prayer is separate from action, but prayer is the fuel that fuels our action. It's the fuel that gives us the energy for action. And what we want to do is we not only want to pray for discernment, but we want to make right decisions. We want to act on what we believe God is calling us, right? So A is for action. So P is, what is P? Pastor, okay? And then that's okay. That's okay. P is part of pray. Pray is the acronym. So P is for? R, A, and then Y would be your role in this. It is so important to understand that it's not the pastor's job to lead a church. It's not the leadership's role. It's everybody. It's the priesthood of all believers. And what I really want you to pray is, at the, when it comes to the end of the prayer, the Y part, just say, God, what is my role in THMCEM's future? If you are someone who's just coming and going, we want you to pray and say the why, the you, your role, your call to THMCEM, and say, God, what is the way that you're wanting me 
to be more involved in this community, for me to give my gifts and talents back to you as an offering. So P-R-A-Y is a good way to think about some of the needs in our group. And you could pray for maybe the P and the R in the morning, the A and the Y in the evenings. You can mix it up. You can pray for P maybe on Mondays and R on Tuesdays. Whatever works for you. But those are four things I think will help us center our prayer a little bit more effectively during this month of August. Amen? All right. <clears throat> With that in mind, today's, today's text is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's something that you're very familiar with, and it is the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And remember, we're still finishing up our Sermon on the Mount. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to read it one more time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray. Father God, we now ask that you will speak to us. Speak to us the words that we need to hear. Lord, remind us that you are good and faithful and that you call us now to seek your kingdom, to pray for your kingdom and your will, be do- your will to be done, to pray for our needs and for those around us. Help us in this uh, short time of looking at the Lord's Prayer. Help us to discover the joy and the privilege of coming to you in prayer. We ask that your Holy Spirit would do what your Spirit alone can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, one of the things that as I kind of sat in bed for the last couple of weeks um, is started really thinking about life. I guess, you know, there's a lot of time on your head when you're going through an illness. And and I was thinking about life, and I I started to kind of, wonder about what it is that makes um, both the Christian faith alluring, but also in this current season of time, um, where there's increasing number of people who are leaving the faith, there's an increasing of number of people in the United States, if you look at all the surveys, that say that they no longer belong to a religious group. The increase of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, I don't know if you've heard that term, but there's been a dramatic increase in the number of people who identify as affiliating with none when it comes to religion. When I thought about that, I asked, I began to wonder, what is it about the Christian faith that sometimes makes it less powerful than we want it to be? And one of the things is, I believe, is that we lose, we lose the distinctiveness, the radical nature of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. What the Sermon on the Mount is, what I want you to experience when you, at your home, you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, when you're reading the Gospels, but especially when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is I want you to see Jesus through the Holy Spirit trying to really just burst open your imagination 
so that you can see the radical nature of what Jesus is inviting us into. Jesus is inviting us into this new thing called the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, to live life under the righteous, kind, merciful, just, and holy God. What does life look like? And it's radical. But the problem is, I think part of what makes Christian Christianity sort of watered down and loses potency is that the kingdom of God begins to look very much similar to our everyday world. When the kingdom of God loses its distinctiveness, we sort of lose sight of what makes Christianity unique, what makes Jesus' call to us special. It's like, you know, being given a choice between a Coke and a Pepsi. The differences are so minor, although as I get older, I do realize they're actually substantial, and I won't drink a Pepsi. I'm a Coke person through and through. Uh, Sometimes I think we lose sight of what it means, how radical it means to live in the kingdom of God, how radical it is. And so for some of us, and I I found myself doing this as I kind of was sick. Um, I was watching some shows and reading some books and sleeping and started, you know, watching some golf and daydreaming about things. I realized there's so much of me, my heart, that is so similar to everything that is in the world. Like, I find myself drawn, I found myself dreaming about the things that everyone dreams about, wanting to be comforted by the things that everyone is comforted by. And I began to sense in me this this loss of the radical nature of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And it's almost like God had to kind of take me back aside and say, and say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sharpen your, your vision of the kingdom of heaven. It's like I was lost in a hazy 240-pixel kind of a vision of the kingdom of heaven, and God wanted to give me a, a 4K vision again. So he, he's kind of taking me back, and he's telling me how, how following God and loving God and living life for God, living life for the restoration of the world is like finding a treasure in the field that is greater than anything we can have, right? So there's this constant need for us to remember that what God is offering to us is greater than anything we have or can want, and it's that constant need to renew our hearts and affections so that our hearts are always going towards the right direction. And that's what I feel like is missing in many of us in our, in our sort of daily life. Christianity just becomes a means to to pursue life like everyone else. And I, I kind of want you to hear the radical nature of that. And one of the, and, and there are two things about this from the Lord's Prayer that I want to point out. And the Lord's Prayer is an amazing prayer. It is remarkable in numerous ways. I know that we can close our eyes and recite this, right? I mean, we can say this, and we don't even know what we're saying sometimes because it's for those of us who grew up in the church, we said this so many times. But it is a remarkable prayer because Jesus says, this is really the summation of all prayer. He says, pray in this way. Jesus, this, this isn't like a rabbi. This isn't your pastor. This isn't a scholar or teacher. This is Jesus, creator of the universe, right? God incarnate. I mean, when Jesus says, pray like this, we need to, we should kind of, our ears should perk up and say, okay, what is he telling us? And he gives us this prayer that when you think about it, Jesus gives us a prayer, and, and you can pray this prayer, even at the slowest pace, you can pray this prayer under a minute, under a minute. 
you can pray really slow and still get it in their minute. And yet, even this um, short prayer, it addresses comprehensively all of our needs in an amazing, eloquent way. It is so succinct, yet it is so amazingly comprehensive in addressing the needs of our hearts and all that we are called to pursue. The opening address to our Father in heaven, the, just the beginning of the prayer is the proclamation of the gospel in itself. Our Father in heaven is a succinct reminding, reminder of John's gospel when, when John tells us, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. So the very opening prayer, our Father, is a proclamation of the gospel in that when we believe in God, we no longer come to him as strangers and aliens, as foreigners, but we come to him as his children. I don't know what your relationship with your parents are like, but I know that as a child, I knew that my parents, even if they weren't able, always wanted to give me the best. Right? That's a parent's heart. And God wants us to magnify that a thousandfold to a perfect father who not only cares for us and loves us, but he loves us perfectly and knows our needs perfectly. Our parents weren't perfect. Anyone have perfect parents? No? I would like to think I, me and Esther were decent parents, but as kids get older, they like to always joke around and say like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta go to therapy for all the, all the trauma my parents caused me when I was young. They joke around like that and we're like, what trauma? We didn't do anything to you. Um, no parent is perfect. No parent is perfect. But our Father in heaven is. God is perfect. And this is a wonderful opening prayer to know that when we pray, that we pray to our Father. Um, one of the ways that you can mix up, sometimes we pray, dear God, but pray Abba. This week, when you pray, just pray Abba, 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 Father. Start your prayers with Abba this week and draw close to the fact that even in this opening line, the gospel is proclaimed. That when we believe in Jesus, the good news, that God calls us his children. The second thing about the Lord's Prayer that is amazing is that it is very communal. It is not an I prayer. Um, I've learned, and this is not just me, but it has been noted, um, recognized throughout church history, that sometimes what we pray for reveals the most about what we actually believe about God. Um, for me, like when, I, when I'm with people, when I hear their prayers, it often is the, not the only, but it's one of the uh, best windows into their heart, what they think about God, what they believe about God. And it is amazing that, that in this prayer that Jesus teaches us, he teaches to pray communally. Okay? So it's our Father who art in heaven. Right? Give us this day my daily bread. No, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It's communal. The prayer that Jesus teaches us is communal in nature. Cyprian, Bishop of Carthage in the early 3rd century, this is one of the early church fathers, makes this commentary about the Lord's Prayer. He says, We do not say, My Father, who art in heaven, or give me this day my daily bread, 
nor does each one ask that only his or her own debt should be forgiven them, nor does he request for himself alone that he may not be led into temptation, but deliver, delivered from evil. Our prayer is public and common, and when we pray, we pray not for one person, but for the whole people, since we, the whole people, are one. The reason the Lord's Prayer is so important, the reason why the Lord's Prayer centers us into the kingdom of God is because the kingdom of God is not about a person. It's not about you. It's about a group of people. God calls the people. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't call you by, by name. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. He does. He knit us in our parents' wombs. He knows us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He cares intimately about the very things that make you unique. You are unique. You are uniquely individual, and God loves us, and he calls us by name. But in the bigger scheme of the gospel and the proclamation of the good news, God calls a people. We are a priesthood. God calls not just individuals, but a group of people. And one of the things about being a Christian is to be continually be rooted in this idea of community, that we are part of a body. We are part of a body. You know, uh, when you're sick, <clears throat> when you're sick, I'm not trying to over-dramatize my sickness or anything, but when you're sick, I don't think one part of the body is disconnected from another. I had probably the worst sore throat that I ever experienced. The governor of Utah, who also had COVID recently, described, uh, he said it was the worst throat he ever had, and he described it as someone shoving a hot iron down his throat back and forth. For me, it felt like a hot Brillo pad, and someone was just like, like scrubbing my neck for about three days. It was painful. Now, my neck was hurting, so it's not like my hand was like, oh, I'm fine, I'm happy. You know, my, my, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling anything. That, that stupid throat is always getting hurt and in pain, but my hand is feeling happy. My feet are happy. My liver, it doesn't work that way, right? When your throat hurts, your whole body hurts. We are connected, friends. The prayer that Jesus teaches us is that we are connected, interwoven. That's a friend of a friend of mine starting a church called Interwoven. Connected. It's hard to believe, but what happens to you matters to me. And how you do affects me. And not in a selfish way, but in a connected way. And sometimes church Look, look how we're seated, right? And I, I'm just as guilty. This is, not, this is not a guilt trip on all of you who like to sit in your space because all my life, in every class, I sat in the very last row behind everything. There'd be like tons of seats up front, but I sat in the back. So this is, not, this is not a criticism, but just more an observation. Look how we're seated. We come to church to worship God communally, but we want to do it individually, we want our own space. Isn't that the nature of our lives? We live in a culture and a society where the tide, the flow of the tide is individualistic. When someone says, I'm looking out for number one, number one isn't you. Who's the number one when anyone says, I got to look out for number one? 
We know who that number one is, right? You're not giving me confidence. Do you know who that number one is in our culture when we say we're looking out for number one? Yes? Who is it? Just reassure me. Yes, it's, it's us. We live in a very individualistic world. We lose sight of the fact that we are connected, that we are one body. When the body rejoices, we rejoice. When the body weeps and mourns, we mourn. You and I are connected. We are connected. And the Lord's prayer reminds us that we're connected because we pray for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It's not just about how you are doing. It's about how we are doing. And there's no greater joy than to live life in the kingdom of God with your brothers and sisters in Christ in showing the world that God loves the world and restoring the world. We are connected. And as a church, we need to model that more and more. I know I'm an introvert. I like my space and I like my, my alone time. And many of us kind of like need our space. But you know what? We go too far into that world and we lose sight of the fact that we are connected to one another. We need to be more proactive in expressing our care and need, our care and concern for one another's needs. <clears throat> the first part of the Lord's Prayer also reminds us that it is important to keep the first thing first. Remember two weeks ago, I talked about, your, think of your life as a train of 100 trains. Your life is 100 trains. Jesus reminds us that if you get the first train going in the right direction, the other 99 will follow. The most important thing is, is where is that first train headed? And that's why the Lord's Prayer begins with what? Our Father, who art in heaven, what's the first greatest priority in our life? Is hallowed be your name. Is God's glory. And then how do, we, how do we hallow God's name? By praying his kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. It literally means God's reign come on earth. Whenever there's injustice, whenever there's abuse, whenever there's violence and anger and hatred, whenever there is, there is uh, dishonesty and people being taken advantage of, of the image of God being crushed and the dignity of humanity being crushed, God's reign is not there. And we pray, God, come, rule on earth as you do in heaven. That's our first train, Right? So the Lord's Prayer reminds us that it's the gospel of, gospel of Jesus Christ, our Father, and it reminds us that it's communal nature, and it reminds us that the first thing ought to be the first thing. But then it reminds us that our needs, our daily bread, our, our need for protection and, and, and from temptation and deliverance, our need for forgiveness, all of these things are not antithetical to seeking God's kingdom. In fact, it is very much the reality that if we seek the first thing, the rest will be given as well. And the last thing about the Lord's Prayer that I want to highlight is found in this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. I know this, uh, I've talked about the manna quite a bit, uh, both in the food group and in here. Is, 
Um, it's one of my favorite stories. I, I, loved, I love the story of Exodus. I love the story of Moses. I was a bizarre little kid growing up. I was like 9, 10, 11, and my favorite shows were at the time were like the Ten Commandments and any movie about Moses. I love Moses. I love the story of Exodus. I don't know why. I just did. And I love the story of manna. As it's so, it just so reminds me of me. God provided for the Israelites by giving them manna. Manna was like this coriander seed that came from heaven. So in the evenings, manna would come like dew. And in the morning, it would be like these white frosty flakes across the plains. And people would go out and they would gather. And God said, gather for yourself how much? One day's worth. Gather for yourself a day's worth. So people go out and they go and gather manna. And guess what? I'm being honest. If you were there and this is the first day, you're in the desert and there's really not that much food around all the time. And there's all this white, it's like honey wafers. There's this wonderful manna. You go out. How much do you think you'd gather? You think you'd gather a little bit extra on the side just in case? How many guys are the... How many guys are like the when you go shop, you buy an extra roll just in case? When you go traveling for three days, you bring like a fourth pair of underwear just in case, you know? We want to have one something on the side just in case, people. Yes? You know, you know, this is me. I, I could be out there, I gather my days. I'm like, well, just in case it doesn't come tomorrow. Or what if I get sick and I can't go? I'm going to take a second days. So I'm like sneaking it in. I got my day. I got my Omer's worth. I got my second day. And guess what happens to the man the next day? is rotten and there's maggots it's gone God's grace for us more often than not is to meant to last us a day there's something beautiful about the rhythm that God created that he wants us to go to him daily to meet our needs. His mercies are new every morning. You're not going to make it on a Sunday sermon or Sunday worship service for the week. We need, as we are growing, to learn to go to God daily, to say, give us this day our daily bread. And that just doesn't mean our physical bread. It means that, but it means all that we need to flourish. I need the patience. I need the energy. I need the will. I need the joy. I need the patience. I need love and grace in my heart. The beauty of this prayer is that it is meant to be prayed how often? Once a week, right? Give us this week our weekly bread. I, I just think that would be so much more efficient in terms of the supply chain kind of a thing. Like, God, give us this year. In fact, give us this decade, our decade's worth of bread. Do you know what would happen? You will forget God in about a day or two if you had a decade's worth of provisions laid up for you. The worst thing to happen to any of us could be that we lose sight of our daily need for God. Do you understand that? It's a blessing. Our daily hunger is a blessing. Give us this day our daily bread. 
let us get into that rhythm of life. August 822 prayer campaign is a wonderful way for us to live this out. Every morning, like magic, your phone vibrates and there's a text message. And you can pray. And you can start by praying the Lord's Prayer for about 45 seconds. And then you could do the P-R-A-Y. And you could pray in the morning and you could pray in the evening. And you just get in the habit of it this month and see how much God connects you to the world. Because when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're not just praying about you. You're praying about our needs. You're going to think about people in church and in your work and in your family that need prayer. Amen? May the Lord's Prayer enrich our lives. May the Lord remind us he's for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful prayer, Lord, that connects us to you, to your kingdom, your righteousness, connects us to the most important thing in our life, but it also reminds us how we are connected to one another and that you care for our needs, and that you want us to come to you, all of us, for our needs each and every day, for you are a good God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.